Nation, today we are making history. It's embarrassing to us as a nation all over the world. They're talking about Chicago. I campaigned on change. You voted for change. And I plan to deliver change to our government. You're listening to Chronicle Headlines. One of the reasons I'm perpetually excited about Columbia is that we have chosen to be different. Welcome in. I'm Blaze Mesa. The Metro Electric proposed schedule changes as it installs positive train control. We get into PTC later in the show. But first, Bobby Wilson has spent 40 years at Columbia, but Wilson is retiring in May. What's next for the jazz singer? I have managing editor Kendall Polidori in studio with me to try and wrap my mind around something I don't quite know if I can. So Bobby Wilson has spent 40 years at Columbia. Being 21 years old, it's a little difficult to imagine truly how long that is. So Kendall, if you can, I mean, try and do this as quick as you can. I know this may be an impossible question, but what is the full list of work or things that Miss Wilson has done here? So in her time here, she has done many things, but I guess to wrap it up really quickly, she's taken a lot of different roles at the college, including an adjunct faculty member, um, artist-in-residence, senior lecturer, and her most current position, the voice and choral ensemble coordinator and uh, professor of instruction. Yeah, so we should mention that Bobby Wilson is in the music department, teaches, really does everything, as you kind of said. But I want to start way back in the beginning, 40 years ago, How did she get started at the college, and how did her path uh, lead all the way over here? Yeah, so in December of 1980, um, one of her friends was actually working at the college, um, and she was putting on an ensemble, um, like a Christmas choir kind of, um, you know, in honor of the holiday season. Um, And she asked Bobby to kind of help her um, put that on and, you know, really help the students put on the show. Um, And these two women, they did it on their own. So the head of the department at the time um, didn't didn't really know um, that Bobby was helping out. Um, And, you know, after the performance, after the ensemble was all done, um, they kind of, you know, recognized the work that she did and how well she worked with the students. Um, And they said, you know, if you could get a certain amount, I believe it was like 20 students to sign up for a class, you know, they were like, you can co-teach it. And so Bobby took on that challenge and she ended up having 90 students want to sign up for the class. Yeah, So it looks like she really had a big student connection, even when she really wasn't even technically at the college. But so 90 some students signing up. It sounds like she had a pretty good student connection back then. Did you speak with any of her former students? What was she like as, I mean, I guess a teacher or one of the many things she did here? Yeah, so I spoke with two students, and um, they basically said the same things. Um, you know, they were both students of hers in the classroom, but also um, also um, a teacher for private lessons. And so that means, you know, outside of the classroom, the students would get the chance to kind of have like a one-on-one experience with her where, you know, she can listen to how they sing, how they perform, and she would, you know, perform with them or help them and critique them. And what exactly does she teach in the music department? Because that's kind of an all-encompassing field. Does she have a specialty? Um, Yeah, so she specializes in uh, jazz and jazz vocal performance. Um, Her background Uh, She comes from a jazz background, Um, so, you know, she sang in jazz ensembles, um, and so that's kind of what she has focused on at the college. 
I can imagine after 40 years of teaching jazz, doing jazz, and really a lot of music-related things, the retire she's retiring from Columbia, but is she done with music? Is she just going to go live a quiet life, or is there other things planned for her? Yeah, so when I spoke with her, she actually, um, when I said the word retiring, um, she told me that she thinks of it more as redesigning her career. Um, so after leaving Columbia, it's not that her career is slowing down. It's actually kind of picking up more um, because while in her 40 years here, she kind of had to push aside um, her own career and her own ability to do live performances. Um, and so now that she is stepping down from her position at Columbia, she will be able to um, perform more personally, um, work on pr- her own projects. Um, and she actually has two projects in the works. So you said she had two projects planned. What does she have planned? Is she like going on tour? Or what does that look like? Um, I'm not sure about touring, um, but she did say that the two projects, one of them is an album um, that's in the works with people that she knows in Chicago, and then another one is with um, people that she knows in Los Angeles. And then 40 years here, does she have any parting advice retiring from the college as Bobby Wilson? Is there anything she wants to see done um, after her time? Yeah, so she did mention, especially um, with the introduction of a new master plan, um, that she hopes to see the college provide, you know, larger practice spaces and places for students um, to collaborate, you know, across disciplines, across departments. Um, She said she feels, you know, different disciplines at the college have been kind of isolated throughout the years. So she would like to, you know, see bigger spaces that would invite people from different departments to kind of work together um, in one space. So Kendall, I'm looking at the print edition we have now because you can see this story in our print edition. It's on the front page. It's all around campus. It looks like there are three events to, quote, celebrate Bobby Wilson. What are those exactly? Yeah, so this month, actually, the college is putting on kind of events in uh, celebration of her. One of them is called a Bobby Wilson tribute during Jam Hour. Um, That's March 11th. Another one is Diversity in Music Panel, and that's March 20th. And then um, another one this month is a jazz showcase on March 25th. So what type of person was she then? Yeah, so I was actually very excited to take on this story and be able to talk with her. Um, One, because I just love music and I love hearing people talk about it, but also because I knew of kind of how much a legend she has been at the college. Um, And, you know, sitting down with her, she definitely lives up to um, that persona. Um, She's an amazing, very welcoming person. She's very passionate about what she does. Um, And even her office is just filled with photos and, um, you know, memories of throughout the years just of her experiences and the people that she met. Um, And it seems, you know, one, everybody that meets her, she kind of makes an imprint on them. But everybody that she comes in contact with, um, they make an imprint on her. For additional reporting on this story, you can go to ColumbiaChronicle.com or pick up a newspaper nearest you. Kendall, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Another week, another print edition. You can go to newsstands around the city or ColumbiaChronicle.com to get the latest Columbia College news. In Metro News, Super Tuesday has come and gone, and the race for the Democratic nomination for president is heating up. Candidates are starting to make their way into Illinois. Senator Elizabeth Warren has moved a campaign office to Chicago, joining former mayor of New York Michael Bloomberg, who has an office in Austin. Early voting for Chicagoans is now open, with ballots closing March 17th. In Arts and Culture News, 
What does the Constitution mean to you? The Chronicle caught up with Broadway actor Mike Iverson, who was in the play, What the Constitution Means to Me. The play looks at how the Constitution affects different generations of women in the character Heidi's family. Iverson plays an American Legion member and moderator of the debates. And in campus news, the college's 2017-990 tax form has been released. The tax forms are released a few years after they're filed, which is why we have the 2017 forms. These forms showed a drop in revenue at the college, but an increase in contributions and grants. Contributions and grants can be used to help fund scholarships. The forms also show a 40% increase in President and CEO Kwang Woo Kim's total compensation. For additional reporting on all of these stories, including the top 10 highest compensated Columbia employees, go to ColumbiaChronicle.com. But before you go, we have one final story. Two trains, just a few minutes apart downtown, have a 20-minute break because of how many stops there are. That was professor in the Department of Science and Mathematics, Elizabeth Davis-Berg. She's looking over the proposed schedule for the Metro Electric line. Metro Electric is changing its schedule to accommodate the use of positive train control. But the proposed schedule is getting complaints from South Suburban riders. But let's get back to Davis-Berg. Her schedule is flexible enough to where she would also have no major changes to her commute. But Davisburg is concerned for others who may work hourly jobs. Davisburg saw people posting on social media estimating that the new proposed train schedule could cost an additional $200 a month in childcare. If I need to be at work by 9 and I can't leave work till after 5, I am probably looking at an extra 40 minutes of needed childcare. Metro spokesperson Michael Gillis said Metro tried to have the proposed schedule mimic the current one as much as possible. Metro even took into account parking lots when adjusting the new schedule. It's really a matter of you know, taking the current schedule and, and looking at how it serves customers and trying to come up with a schedule that approximates that as best as possible. PTC is a federally mandated emergency braking system for trains, and here's how it works. Conductors initialize PTC before the train departs. Now, that's just a way of saying they input information like the weight of the train and how many cars it has into the PTC system. And then, the train leaves for its schedule. Sensors have been installed along the tracks, and if a conductor is going even one mile over the posted speed limit or fails to obey a signal, PTC will bring the train to a complete stop. I ran this definition of PTC by Gillis, and he had one or two things to add. There's a computer on the train that's connected to G GPS so, um, and the back office. So the back office knows where the train is at all times and how fast it's traveling. So the onboard PTC computer um, has an algorithm bit built into it, and it's constantly calculating um, what the stopping distance of the train is. And if it determines that the engineer... Um, will not be able to stop the train before he hits that reg signal, the, the PTC system will stop the train for him. It'll just take over and break the train. Gillis said Metro has been installing PTC for a decade and needs to get the system running on all of its train lines before the end of the year. But the sensors are all in place and the conductors have been trained to handle the system. So why does Metro have to make a permanent schedule change to accommodate PTC? Gillis said it has to do with flipping a train. To put it simply, flipping a train is how long it takes Metro conductors to get a train ready to leave the station after it arrives. Metro electric trains were able to be flipped in 10 minutes or less, but that was before PTC added an additional step to the process. The, the bottom line 
uh, of all of that is that we just can't operate the same number of trains under PTC as we were um, without PTC. The proposed schedule changes are felt the most at the Millennium Station. Especially in the morning rush hour, trains come in and out really fast um, at a high rate of speed. It's a very intensive schedule on the Metro Electric line. Um, so so the, the issue at Millennium was really what drew the schedule for the rest of the line. It is after 4 o'clock and it is rush hour at Millennium Station. This is one of the busiest times at one of the busiest stations on the Metro Electric line. I was able to catch up with commuters to see how the changes will impact their day. But if they're like putting less stops, then that's unfortunate. Janae Vaughn is a psychology grad student at the Chicago School. She uses the train to get to and from class. Vaughn and I were standing in the Millennium Station around 4.30. She takes the train from Millennium to 147th Street. After this interview, she has five train options until 6 o'clock which is the end of the afternoon rush hour, which Gillis said was one of the most changed times at Millennium Station. Under the new proposed schedule, she has one less train option, only four trains until six o'clock. But even with one less train in the proposed schedule, Vaughn said the delay isn't too concerning. It'll probably be around like a 10 minute difference, but it's about the same time. Later in the night, like the five o'clock one is different, but other than that, they all look similar. I also spoke with Jamea Harper, who takes the train to get to her job at the University of Chicago. Harper prefers the train. People drive crazy down here, and I don't want to kill anybody. <laughs> she takes the train from Millennium Station to the 103rd Street stop. The proposed schedule would have no impact on her commute. Her 448 train would leave at 446, and both trains would arrive at 521. Um, so did you per do you have a preference between... Uh, schedule or the previous schedule? Um, no, I don't because like I said, from what I read, it really won't affect me too much. Metro has a survey open for riders to submit feedback on the proposed schedule, but the survey closes March 8th. Metro is looking into some schedule changes already though, such as adding more trains to the Hyde Park and 59th Street stop after receiving enough complaints from riders. Gillis said a majority of the train schedule will be permanent but some things are subject to change. There, there could be adjustments we can make to the schedule as we get used to operating with PTC that you know maybe we were too conservative here or there and that we can make changes. We did that when we implemented PTC on the BNSF line, which is our busiest line in terms of number of riders. Um, and we will be looking for opportunities to do that, but this really is the, you know, the, the main thrust of this schedule change will be permanent. That's all for this week. For more stories, go to ColumbiaChronicle.com or follow us on social media. We are at CEC Chronicle on Twitter and Instagram and the Columbia Chronicle on Facebook and YouTube. Chronicle Headlines is made possible by the collaboration of WCRX, Chicago's Underground, and the Columbia Chronicle, along with the chair of the Communication Department of Columbia College, Chicago, Suzanne McBride. A special thanks to managing editor Kendall Polidori. I'm Blaze Messa. It's been an honor, a pleasure, and a privilege, but I'll speak with you all next week.